COVID changed all of our lives, and generally not for the better. But many of these changes have made it possible for people to change their lives for the better. If you find yourself working from home full-time, taking advantage of all the cool technology that allows you to stay engaged over the internet, who's to say that home has to be someplace specific? I mean, all you need is an internet connection and a computer to attend that 9 a.m. meeting, right? I've talked about how work will be changed forever, allowing people to take advantage of the new normal to find places that maybe fit a better lifestyle for them. Move to a less expensive community because commuting is no longer an issue, for example. I've thought about it a lot, but today I'm actually talking with someone who took the chance and is living his better life because of it. And while we're talking about finding that better life, what if you took your relief valve and turned it into your business? In today's world, along with all the things that have closed doors in our faces for so long, some are finding new doors opening up. I guess you can make lemonade out of lemons, after all. Dave Dinsmore has never taken a single wine class, but he knows what he likes, and best of all, he likes to share. Originally from Chicago and currently working remotely from South Carolina, Dave works in IT at a film studio while building his dream, Ascension Wines, with his wife Lisa. As a master of quality control for the company, he's dedicated to testing every bottle so that only the best wine finds its way into the glass. Welcome to the podcast. Why don't you tell the audience about who you are and what you do? Well, as you said, I'm Dave Dinsmore. I've, uh, I'm 50-something. We'll just say that. I've had a great life and keep enjoying my life. And I enjoy my life by uh, computers and wine. Computers Monday through Friday and wine on the weekends. So uh, my wife and I uh, have a small winery up in Paso Robles. Very small. Yeah. Um, it's my wife and I and the winemaker. There's everybody part of Ascension Cellars. So that's, that's. You own the land? You own land up there or you grow your own We do not. We do not. So we are not a vineyard. We're only a winery. So there's a very distinct thing there. For those of us who don't know, tell us what the difference is. So uh, the vineyard means you own the actual grapes. Uh, Wineries mean you buy grapes either from yourself, your own vineyard, or from other vineyards, and you make a winery, you make wine. You do not need to own any land to have a winery. Um, If you want to call it an estate wine, then you do. So we get 90% of our grapes from Cass Winery up in Paso Robles, and they are a vineyard and winery. And that's the difference. They they can put estate grown on their label. We cannot. We can say from the Cass Vineyard, but we can't say that it's our estate because it's not our estate. Okay. So how does that work? Do you go to the vineyard and they give you samples of different grapes? How does it work? So um, our winemaker slash partner in the business is Eric Allen. Uh, so him along with Lisa are basically the the palate of the winery. Um, the two of them, in conjunction with the cast people, uh, decide every year what we're going to buy in terms of the grapes that we think are thriving the best that year. Um, and so, and what we want to make. So if we want to make a Mavedra like we did hundred uh, percent in 2017, 
um, we'll talk to them in advance and say, hey, we need six barrels, which is about 150 cases. So you get about 25 cases in each barrel. Um, And so uh, we always shoot for between five and eight barrels of the grapes. And then uh, that goes into those barrels for two years. And then Eric will decide on the blend that we're going to have. So we'll we'll normally know what we're going to buy in the vintage year. And then as it gets closer to us bottling, um, we'll maybe we'll add a little petite Syrah, petite Verdot, whatever to to smooth it out. We can use blending grapes. You can actually use, I think it's actually even up to ten percent, and still call it a hundred percent of something. So you could say you have a okay. Syrah and just put Syrah on the label but you can yeah. use up to 10% of other grapes. Um, and so um, for the most part, all of our stuff is blends. So we don't have to worry about that. We know we're having a GSM, which is Grenache, Syrah, and Maved. So it's the three okay. grapes from the, the red grapes from the Rhone Valley, Cote de Rhone, as they say in France, or Chateau mm-hmm. de Pop. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know we're going to make that every year, but we're going to always change that blend. So some years it might be Grenache heavy, some years it might be Mavedra heavy. Um, okay. So it's normally... Uh, in the six barrels world, it would normally be like two barrels of Grenache, three barrels of Maved, and then a barrel of Syrah. So we kind of mix around there and Eric, Eric fine tunes that a lot. Um, and so every year that will change, which is what separates it from beer. So beer is always consistent year to year. Whereas wine, you might say, oh my God, I love your mayhem Syrah, but some years it might be 75% Syrah and some years it might be 85% 85% Syrah. So it's, it's different. So it's an interesting, interesting contrast to, to a beer person who always has to have the same thing every year. Got it. Okay. Um, how'd you get started doing this? So it really dates back to about 1999. We were just uh, packing up and we found an old wine map for Paso Robles from 1999 when there was 35 wineries. So you yeah. used to be able to hit pretty much every winery in a good long weekend. Um, and we went up there, my wife and I, neither one of us were big uh, alcohol people, not big wine pe- or big beer people, yeah. um, but wine just hit a sweet spot for us at that time. We were in our 20s, early 30s, and it just, it was the perfect thing that we were like, oh my God, this is what we love. We love wine. And a lot of that was certainly the experience. Paso Robles is a lot like Napa in the 70s. Um, where you walk into a place and the owner is behind the bar and he takes you to the back room and you're tasting through barrel samples of stuff you're not going to see in a bottle for two years. And you're like, is this really happening? And that happened to us. And within, you know, within a few years, we were uh, going up there almost every month as the wineries were growing. We were also growing in Paso as well. And so uh, to put it in perspective, there's now about 250 tasting rooms and probably another 150 like us without tasting rooms. Okay. So it's gone from 30 to 400 wow. uh, in, in 20, 22 years, which is, I mean, Lisa yeah. posted the photos from the little program and it's amazing. I think there's about six that are still there with the same ownership as in 1999. A lot have been sold off or split into other things, but um, that really started our passion for wine was that trip in 1999 just to explore Paso Robles. Okay. It's such a great trip. It's only three hours from LA. It's so different than LA. You, yeah. You pull into a winery, the riding horses around. I've been up there on one of my trips between 
LA and the San Francisco Bay area. I stopped over and it was, it's a wonderful place. Um, Very magical. So um, for the audience background, you're originally from Chicago. You moved to Los Angeles at some point in your life. And you've been working in IT for a movie studio in LA, which is where you and I met. Um, but at the moment, you're in South Carolina. Um, so work from home, baby. Work from yeah. home. <laughs> um, part of what we talk about here is how the pandemic has changed your life, right? <laughs> you are probably one of the first few people I've met where the pandemic probably has actually improved your life in some ways. Um, so before COVID started, you were working your day job in LA at the movie studio. You were building the wine business. Was it becoming full-time for you at that point? Not for me. It was becoming full-time for Lisa because okay. between us, um, in 2011, she started a festival for small wineries, much like us ourselves, people okay. who don't have taste rooms. We had this brainstorm idea why don't we take the wineries that don't have tasting rooms and put them in a room together okay. so that everyone who loves exploring new wineries can go into one room and see 40 to 60 wineries that there's no other way you'd taste their wine. Nice. And it had a huge support from the Paso region because everyone up there was a small winery at some point. Right. Um, our godfathers in the business cat stepped right up and helped us find a menu in 2011. They helped us when we ran out of glasses the very first day, <laughs> they, they rushed them over. Um, they helped us get a chef. So for catering of the event. So, yeah. um, that, that really is become a full-time job for her. Now there prior to the pandemic, there was four of these festivals around the state of California every year. Okay. One in Sonoma, one in Solvang, one in Paso, and one in L.A. She was busy with that, and then her rest of her time was with our winery. So, yeah, she had finally become a full-time employee of the of the winery. Okay. Um, I'm still my day job Monday through Friday, and I love it, and I thank God for them. A majority of my coworkers are club members, and you know, it's <laughs> been they've been very supportive in all of this. Um, but when the opportunity came for the first time in my life, to realize I could do computer support, not standing next to the person yeah, that changed everything for us. And we said, Hey, let's spend some time seeing parts of the country that we had never seen. So, um, we came to South Carolina, we fell in love, got a little lake house and, uh, and then we'll just continue whatever brings us back to LA, hopefully wine events soon. Yeah. November is when we target for the Garages festival back in Paso Robles. It's a, it will be, our 10 year anniversary, um, for the festival. And so it should be a big party. It's normally about a four day event and there's seminars for people who are interested in learning more and more about how to make wine. Yeah. Uh, those seminars have led some people to go from attendees to now they're at pouring their wines at the festival. So, cool. uh, it's really a great experience and we want it to continue. So, um, but for now I'll continue to do my day job because mine, I'm just master of quality control for Ascension Cellars. That yeah. just means I have to drink all the wine and <laughs> trying our 2019 uh, rosé. I'm trying to make sure that it's good enough to to yeah. ship out to everybody. So yeah. I make sure. <laughs> being in the entertainment business, being in production, what were the challenges you faced when the world shut down? Because I know it happened very quickly, right? Oh. Um, and you guys had 
couple thousand people working at the studio who all of a sudden who had never worked a day in their lives from at home because that's the way it always was to all of a sudden having to be up and running working from home what you have to go through you know we, we had a head start because um, we did have the back end in place to allow a few people who we've hired over the years who were working remote we've had artists working on in Vancouver Ireland working in New Zealand and yeah. so our tools were more mobile than other studios. And so that helped, but it crushed us that first four days. The VPN just got apps, went from a peak of 150 users to 2,500 users. <laughs> like, yeah. And so, you know, God bless the back end guys who were so good in that very first weekend rebuilding and just, we haven't had a burp since. Like, yeah. we get, we get everyone online. I sometimes forget, and mine's one. My computer might still be online upstairs, and so, yeah. um, you know, it was. The, and the, the help desk guys, the telecom guys, rerouted all the phone calls so that they those guys could be at home, and it was just like they were sitting at their desks. Yeah. And the and the tools have changed so much. You know, we look at, you know, in talking to my boss, like this last year, the biggest thing we had to educate ourselves on was every week there was a new release of a VTC program. So WebEx, Zoom, yeah. Google Hangouts, Google Teams, those are not the same programs that they were a year ago. Oh, like yeah, not even close. They're yeah. not even the same programs they were a month ago. Yeah. And yeah. so the challenge was, how do we know how you change to grid view? Because our users are asking and they might know ahead of us because they got the push. Yeah. to the new release. And so I think it's really changed how quickly we had to spin up and learn a new tool where normally we'd be like, okay, we're going to mess with this for a little bit and yeah. then we're going to figure out how to use it. And then, but no, it was like, oh, all of a sudden now we can have emojis in Google <laughs> Hangouts, which are, you know, and so we have a help desk call saying, how do I do this? And like, we didn't even know that was possible because yeah. it wasn't possible yesterday and it is yeah. possible today. So the software shift, the acceleration of VTC in particular, but all all kind of group participation software in this last year has been like nothing we've ever seen. I mean, you used to go from Office 2011 to Office 2015. So it was yeah. four years before you had a new version yeah. of Word. Yeah. You're getting a new version of Google Meet every day. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's yeah. seismic. Yeah, I've been saying for a while now that if you had to have a pandemic that shut things down the way this one did, this is probably a moment in history that you can't rival for it because all of the technology pieces seem to have lined up so that we could actually do this, right? If this had happened 15 years ago, it would have been go home. Sorry, we're closed. Right. Everything is shut yeah. down. You know, now everybody's got some level of performing internet coming into their house, though the last mile is always going to be a problem. At this point. But it's even better than it was five years ago. Oh, yeah. Like it's light yeah. years yeah. ahead of five years ago. And yeah. certainly ahead of, you know, you, you think only 13 years ago, the iPhone was brand new. I right. mean, and before that, there's no way we could have handled this. No. No, no way. Absolutely. And video conferencing technology is there and it works. And, it was, and the four and and the cell networks are actually sometimes yeah. I'll be out on the dock and I get twenty five meg cell on the dock. <laughs> nice. I mean, I can't even imagine that. Like in L.A., my best was four. I got yeah. four meg. <laughs> Back in it was a you know AT and T, 
Yeah. We were all excited about DSL. Well, that was nothing yeah. compared to what we're getting now. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so you you took advantage of the opportunity to get out of an expensive marketplace and go into a less expensive place in South Carolina. Um, what has that done from your work life balance? I mean, you know, you're three hours different now from you were yeah. before. You know, I got some really great advice from some of our executives who were based in New York and along the Eastern Shore because we have quite a few, being that we're still. Comcast NBC owned. There's quite a few people we deal with mm-hmm. on the universal side um, who have to go back to LA and understand that LA thing. And they were like, don't get up and start right away because you're, you know, and there's some days that I do have to because an exec out here will have an issue. But for the most part, I try and give my mornings to just chilling, reading the paper, making coffee, going on a hike. Um, there's some great state parks all around Columbia that yeah. you know you just walk around walk around a lake or, you know i kayak on this lake or whatever i just make sure that i don't start until noon which is 9 a.m back in la right and then they also said you know what in the middle of the day like try and clear four to five to give yourself a little breathing room which is good because that's normally around one o'clock and yeah. pretty much everyone's at lunch at that point and it's kind of what we would do back on campus anyway so i try and give myself four to five to have happy hour Okay. Not non-alcoholic happy uh, hour, but uh, okay. uh, just have you know some time. Lisa and I will go down and sit on the dock or whatever, and just enjoy a, like an hour, which would be a normal lunch. Um, and then we just try and stay up a little later than I used to in LA. I was pretty much a nine thirty, ten o'clock. Yeah. So here, here I try and stay up to eleven, eleven thirty, um, watch a good movie, and then uh, and then start it all over again. So we have you know it's been some great advice from everybody as to how to manage that. Yeah. Okay. Do you think um, they'll go back on site? Do you think um, the the offices will reopen? I do. I th- I think at some point. I mean, I, I I definitely think there's two sets of individuals who've handled this last year. Um, yeah. There is people who have a situation like myself, um, who where been there for 25 years. I've done all the parties. I've done all the hanging outs. I've done all that. I have. You know, we get enough social interaction with all of our uh, zooms and everything yeah. to, that that some of us are okay and able to work i think certainly some of the uh animators who are in that same age group as me the ones who've been there for 20 to 30 years yeah are enjoying not having that commute and i think they're more productive and i know they're more productive than they were before when they yeah. would just come in work and then leave and there's a lot of distractions at work and, yeah and um, plus working from home you your day tends to not end at five o'clock right and yeah, and it can even go on the weekends. I mean, even yeah. like, especially three day weekends or whatever. So I definitely think there's that group who's handling it very well and has, has home situations that lend to that. And then I think there's the 20 somethings and the 30 somethings who might be in one bedroom apartments, might have roommates, might have distractions yeah. that are different than ours and really miss and haven't had the experience that we have all had of being able to go to all these events and have all these release parties and all that stuff. So, and the good news is I think there's a way we can now have both and and everyone can do what they want to do. And certainly as people go back, if they don't need to, you know, be there every day, then maybe they can work from home two days a week and have a little bit of different experience. And, and especially ones who are an hour drive found out one of my coworkers for 18 years has been driving two hours each way to work. Well, he's gotten back. I mean, he's worked 
he's been he's worked there for 20 something years and he's 16 years living over an hour and a half to two hours away i yeah. I, I would go insane but yeah. I, I, know hey, some, I I know someone else who did I, that. I live, I'm looking at him. <laughs> I live 35 miles away from work, which is nothing, relatively speaking. And it was an hour and a half in each direction when traffic was normal. So I, I knew I had to hit the bubble in the morning to get on the freeway by 6 o'clock or around 6.15 if I wanted to get there on time uh, in, in like an hour. And then I stayed till after seven every night. So that traffic was only 45 minutes to get home. Uh, but that was life in LA and, and in LA you trade off, right? If you want to live a comfortable, uh, life by the beach, you have to uh, commute. That was life, right? The schools were better where I lived and it was better for my kids and my family. So I did that for like 30 years almost. Yeah, well, I started there, man. I was right. I was in Redondo Beach yeah. when I started. And I was like, ooh, that commute is just yeah. brutal. I mean, yeah. it took a good 30 minutes just to get to the freeway to sit for yeah. another hour. Yeah. Um, and so I think there'll be a, a trade off. And I think, you know, if now that we have all these tools in place and they're only going to get better, I can't ever imagine we're going to have a meeting again that's not going to have a screen over with people who are, are sure. zoomed in. Very true. I just, that's never going to happen again. Like that well, is just we going always to be a part did. of our life. Right. We always we, did though, historically, right? So right. Uh, you've, you've mentioned everything. So I, we worked together at DreamWorks Animation. Okay. <laughs> and um, we had a studio when I was there uh, based up in the San Francisco Bay Area in Redwood City. And every meeting had video conferencing going on, right? Because we had teams scattered all over. We had people in India that were part of our teams. Yeah. As we well. basically made that. I mean, yeah. our technology that we gave to HP yeah. is what would become what we're doing yeah. now. I mean, yeah. we we wrote the codex that synced up people's lips and their and their yeah. video, and you know, we were on the cutting edge of that because that's what Jeffrey wanted. He never yeah. wanted to say, "Oh, I can't hire this incredibly talented producer, director, animator," because they want to live in London, yeah, or on Victoria Island. You know, it's like. We would figure out a way. And yeah. that's what was great about And that's why who's released the most movies since this happened. Yeah. yeah. NBC Universal because of DreamWorks. And yeah. it's it's been a, you know, it's great being the front end support guy because they are all like, you, you're so great. I'm like, <laughs> I have to pass it on to some of our back guys because they're the yeah. ones, they're yeah, the they're ones who the handled all this. They have done a brilliant job. Okay. So, the IT job, you're in South Carolina, works great, terrific. What about the wine business, man? Paso Robles is 3,000 miles away. Yeah, you know, and and thankfully for us, it's always been um, the worst thing a, a wine, especially a new winemaker can do is to keep checking the barrels. So, yes, you don't want to make – we have someone, thankfully, at Cass, the winemaker at Cass, looks at our barrels, make sure they're not leaking or something's happened yeah. or he'll rotate them or whatever. But the worst thing you can do – to a barrel is open it and put oxygen because oxygen turns wine to vinegar. And so right. these young winemakers we talk to all the time, they have this great wine and they've been checking it every week, they're opening it up. You know, it's like, you're, you're not going to, it, it's, yeah. it's going to be vinegar by the time you're done. So um, it's very important that you let barrels sit. So um, the winemaker, Eric lives down in orange County. So he doesn't, he gets up there, you know, once a month or so. Yeah. Um, but the best thing we can do is just be away from it. And so all of Lisa's marketing tools, she's, you know, 
thank God for our, our wine club has been insanely great during this time. We just sent out a thing and everyone adds to their orders. Um, you know, we have, we have tried, uh, to educate people at festivals in the past, like showing them, you know, the difference between the wines and how you go from what, what's Cabernet and how it's a heaviest yeah. wine and versus Grenache or Pinot, which is light wine. So we've extended that. And, um, for pretty much every other Sunday uh, in the summers, we have done a Sunday sipping class on our Facebook and Instagram pages. So they can go to the Ascension Cellars uh, Facebook page and you'll see them up there. Uh, it's just us. She'd be sitting in the chair next to me here. She's yeah. the smart one. I'm, I just <laughs> had comic relief. Uh, and they've gone really, really well. And we've, we've, we've gone over not only our wines, uh, but like this weekend, we're talking about Mavedra. So tomorrow night on Facebook, four o'clock California time, um, we'll be doing our little Zoom slash Facebook uh, where we're going to go over the grapes. And we talk for about an hour and just give people an education. So that's what we've tried to do to continue people keeping Ascension sellers in people's minds and also keeping mm -hmm. us keeping us doing what we love to do, which is talk about wine and expose people to great wines. So um that's that's been a huge relief for us yeah and once we need to come back there and we can come back there and go back up to the winery and start pouring at events again we'll be all over it so yeah. it's really simple we can easily stay there and it's a four-hour flight from charlotte to there so no okay. problem How, how's the pandemic affected the broader family right you and lisa are self-contained a self-contained unit mostly right so uh how's the rest of your family doing uh you know thankfully everyone's doing really really well i mean we uh we've all gotten the vaccine so hopefully we'll start coming down and seeing us and we just had her sister here uh to expose them to south carolina they'd never she'd never been down here before so had a great time uh so yeah no luckily everybody's good uh yeah my brother on Cape Cod probably was the most exposed early because all those New Yorkers fled to Cape Cod yeah. <laughs> uh, early. And so he got exposed, but was able to handle it. And basically okay. he's at an age in his life where he was like, look, I'm not, you know, he's a plumber. So he's like, I'm not going to see you. I'll just do my work and you have yeah. to leave the house for an hour. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and they would, you know, okay. you want your plumbing working. Yeah, I tell you to get the hell out. That's that's true. In the course of the last year, I've had the plumber out twice because you know what? Some things don't wait for, uh, you know, haircuts can wait, but plumbing has to be fixed right away. I will say it's the funniest story with him is that um, he's in Wellfleet, which is a very hot town on the tip of Cape Cod. Yeah. And um, at the restaurants there in the summer, there's lines down the street. And um, but we pulled up in the plumber's van <laughs> and they saved they like we walked past eric clapton this is <laughs> and they walked us right to a table and sat us down it's like you know he's the plumber because if the thing's not working i have to shut the restaurant down like i i get three months to make all my money like he's yeah. the plumber <laughs> That's you are awesome. all customers. He's the one. It was so brilliant. That's awesome. Listen to that, kids. You can get a better table at the restaurant than Eric Clapton if you go into a skilled labor job. How, how, how are you feeling about the next six months? Um, 
you know, I'm, I'm thinking it's, it's going to be good. We're really hoping to get Garage East back in Paso in November. Like I yeah. said, I think it'll be right about the same time. Um, DreamWorks, I don't know if it'll be 100% again, but I really think we'll be back to somewhat normal. And I think people will start going into theaters again. But yeah. we've certainly changed that paradigm with everything we've done with the pay-per-view stuff. I mean, yeah. yep. you yep. know, the business is HBO different. is doing all of their stuff, releasing movies. I'm looking up at my giant screen. I put in a nice sound system down here. Yeah. Um, we knew it was coming. We've known, we've talked technology for yeah. a while. Yeah. You know, there's just certain of us who would rather watch a movie on release weekend at home than yeah. to deal with people. And I think that will now always be an option, which is probably the best thing to come of this. Yeah. Yeah. In the I movie agree. industry is that I can finally enjoy movie opening weekend without yeah. having to, you know, we have yeah. small bladders. We, we like to enjoy our wine. <laughs> Yeah, you know, the the there are those that will go to the movies and see it in the theater with, you know, 40-foot Dolby screens and IMAX and and all of the latest and greatest sound because of the event of it, right? And there will be certain movies you'll want to see that way, you know, the next Star Wars movie, if you still want to go see Star Wars movies, or the next <laughs> Marvel movie, whatever it is that gets released, you may want that experience, right? And then I, I'm very encouraged by the idea also that we don't have to worry about people who couldn't find a babysitter for Saturday night now taking their kids out to a nine o'clock showing of a grown-up movie because they wanted to see right. the movie on opening weekend. So yeah, I agree with you. It's going to be interesting to see how the industry copes with it because they, you know, they for years and years and years they've been building this whole mystique around opening weekend numbers, right? right. And they just don't apply anymore, right? I mean, yeah. the most one of the most successful movies of of the year last year was Trolls, right? Mm -hmm. And Trolls made over a hundred million dollars, but it took a year to do it. But it's <laughs> made this enormous amount of money. Whereas there was a time where if you didn't make that hundred million dollars in you know in the first four weeks, you were a failure. Oh yeah. So uh, the whole business is is flipped. It's going to be fun to watch. I guess I'm on the outside of it now, so it's going to be even more fun to watch from the outside, I guess. Uh, right, because um, you don't have to deal with the fact that our bonuses are tied to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, my my yeah, my yeah, business is a, a totally different kind of thing now, so I'm still figuring it out myself. <laughs> um, uh, the community you're in in South Carolina, what's it like? You know, it's been – we took a chance. We didn't really know anyone here. Yeah. I, the previous owner of this house, I met him when I was closing. He yeah. just moved down the street to a, a single story house. Um, and so I was talking to him and I was going back home to pack everything up and get Lisa and the cat and bring them out here. Um, and he gave me all the keys and I gave him one back and said, would you mind watching the place for the next month? I mean, <laughs> I, and that, that really tells you everything you need to know about yeah. this area. And it's also what we loved about Paso was that we were having keys to people's houses that we didn't even know. I mean, that was crazy. Um, yeah. We got we got the keys to Cass Winery. They went off and left us to close the winery one night. We're like, what the hell is going on? And that same kind of vibe I get here. Um, yeah. We go to this every Saturday morning in the downtown. They close off about five blocks yeah. and vendors come in and it's called the Soda City Market. But it's not like a farmer's market because they're also selling. I bought my lake house sign there from a couple yeah. Um, and you know, it's like the vibe I get is just, everyone's so insanely nice. I was at the bike shop because it's a college town too. So Columbia yeah. is a college town and it's a, the state capital. So yeah. uh, I went to the bike shop cause I, my, I did one good ride on my bike and then I got a flat tire. And so I took it in 
and yeah. and it was this you know and tell them hey we're just what a beautiful shop it's the nicest one i've seen and you know can i get my bikes tuned up i just moved here and they're like oh where from you know you can tell them, oh yeah. welcome to south carolina everyone's like so insanely nice and so you know soda city market we do that on saturdays it's grown as the weather gets better and better yeah um and the the couple that made the lake house sign for us they live on the giant lake so i'm on a tiny lake in the okay. city uh, about 20 miles away is a 43 mile by 11 mile, the largest man-made lake in the United States, Lake Murray. Okay. And that's where they live. Um, and they were like, oh yeah, we have a, we have a party boat. If you ever want it, just come by. I'll give you the keys. I'm like, who does that? <laughs> <laughs> who that's does nice. that? That's nice. That, that doesn't even happen. I said, I'm not driving that thing. So you're coming with me. So, <laughs> you know, that it, it's been, it's been great. The insurance agent. Uh, he took us to the USC football, or sorry, the baseball teams, the number eleven team in the country. Yeah. And so we went and saw one of their baseball games. Yeah. Uh, they're doing about thirty percent occupancy. Yeah. Uh, he he had a whole section for us, and you yeah. know, they're doing it smart. They're doing it. There's respect. Yeah. Everyone's. Um, they have only shut down for that first month, and after that, everything's been open. Yeah. Uh, and they've been really, really good. They people. People have been. All the restaurants are are great. They they yeah. know what they're doing. They've kept everything clean, and uh, you know, people wear masks unless they're eating and drinking, and a lot of respect. It's about respect, and that's, that's good. really says everything. That's good. That's good. L- L.A. had its challenges, its ups and downs. It was it was weird the way the the city just kind of partitioned out into those that are trying to take it seriously and those that are fighting it. Um, but at the same time, I'd say the majority of us were just trying to take it seriously, right. And get through, but nobody talks about us cause we don't make the news every day. Right. That's um, exactly it. And yeah. it wasn't the good story to have. And then, yeah. you know, it's like, they've been trying to spin it any which way they can, but yeah. the end result is you got to take personal responsibility for yourself. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's like, um, but every situation you can't just paint it with a, a roller because some people are in different situations than you and you know you don't know what that person's dealing with on the outside so it's um, it's funny um i i spoke with somebody a couple of months ago who also lives in a small town south of sacramento he has a ranch and it, it was the same thing right the the perspective from small towns versus big is is in small towns you have to trust the situation and you have to respect the what people are making the right judgments for themselves. And in the big cities, there's this, there's a sense of, no, we have to control it, you know, right. from a central which, point. Which I, I think, you know, you know, we know so many people with restaurants in LA and it's yeah. just been devastating beyond belief. I mean, yeah. we all, if you've ever met a chef and I'm, I'm privileged to have a friend who's a great one. And, um, but I've met through him a lot of other chefs and they're, there are people who really need social interaction. They they want to hide in the kitchen, yeah. But they love finding out that you love their food. You know, they live, they get up every day to make. Like some of them, they run a barbecue joint. They might get it three in the morning. They start yeah. smoking that day's lunch, and yeah. and they need that because if their brains are idle, 
they go to dark, dark places. And so <laughs> we've, we've really destroyed a lot of people by not letting our restaurants serve food to people. And, in, in, yeah. and, some, and good food does not handle being put in a styrofoam container and then driven yeah. for 30 minutes. And yeah. so um, I worry that LA is going to be a bunch of McDonald's and Arby's uh, and not have high quality restaurants anymore because i you know my friends already shut his down and so yeah it, it we it's going to be a thing and here i will say they stepped up and said look restaurants are open it's up to them let them decide how to do it and yeah you know. i no, i get what you're saying i think that i you know i think that a lot of folks will come back um i think that there'll be a lot of new people that will have an opportunity to come along. I'm hoping that some of the municipal changes like out in LA, because we're summer all the time, they, they blocked off a lot more street for restaurants to have outdoor dining. I hope that trend continues in the future and we get more and more of that because it's it's also just a nicer kind of environment. No question. Paso but, Robles did it brilliantly. If you, if you get a chance to go up there, yeah. you can actually reserve picnic tables in the park. So you oh. can go to the local restaurant, get the food, and then go and sit at your picnic table. And they have people there bringing you silverware if you need silverware. Like Very that, cool. And they blocked off a lot of the parking spots and opened up other parking spaces so that the restaurants could have sidewalk serving. And, and it, yeah. that was – and that's – you're right. I love, I love dining outdoors. I love, you know um, – that's not going to work in Minnesota. Um, no, but no. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. My Minnesota, Chicago, or, or or New York, for that matter, right? They, yeah, there you hit a certain point in the year where it, it doesn't work. Um, but I, I mean, I can tell you certainly from my experience and living in LA, living in any big city, right? You what a lot of what happened with the lockdowns for the pandemic were about controlling the hospital flow, right, and keeping the hospitals from becoming overwhelmed. Because I know, like all of the local hospitals down here in the South Bay in Los Angeles, at one point, probably towards the end of last year, beginning of, of this year, there were no ICU beds anymore. There were no uh, hospital beds in general, right? The hospitals were at 100% capacity. And the, and the infection rates and the people getting sick from it, it was bad. And so... The idea of locking down and keeping people from getting close to each other was more about the fact that if you did get sick, you had no place to go, right? Because because we don't have a medical system that can ramp up fast enough. For whatever reason, the government wasn't smart enough to figure out how to supplement it in a way where it could survive the peaks. Well, it was hard because it, you can't put, I mean, look at New York, you can't throw a sick person in with a COVID person. So no. you Right. You know, it was a different you it was because it would it would capitalize, you know, it loved to yeah. find the weak hosts. Yeah. And what better weak hosts than in a hospital? So right. if I went in there because I was feeling like some things in my throat, yeah. non COVID related, yeah. you know, it was you know, yeah. and I feel so bad. I mean, I, we know so many people who couldn't go and be with loved ones who were sick in a different way. They weren't, yeah. you know, the, a car accident or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so they couldn't be with their loved ones who were, you know, not long for this world. And that's, that's horrifying too. And so, yeah. you know, I think the thing that was upsetting me with LA was, it was like the, the faucet, right? You, 
you turn it on and then you turn it off and then the yeah. next time you turn it on there's this rush and yeah it seemed like by opening and closing and no one really knowing what was what was yeah. acceptable like yeah. they did a horrible job in LA of telling yeah. us what can we do like can i go to this restaurant is this yeah. restaurant open yeah. and then when they did say oh now you can go it was packed like there was yeah. you know the beach like yeah. so so if you would just like cuz that's what they did here like charleston is a huge destination for people that's about an hour and a half from us yeah and they they basically never shut it off so that they could control the number of people who were always there hotels were only allowing 20 to 30% occupancy so they could but yeah. whenever you have this on and off again thing people yeah. are going to rush to it like I know what's going to happen when everything truly opens back up again. It is going to be a party like the Roaring yeah. Twenties. Oh, like, yeah, absolutely. And, you can already and, feel it building. And so that can't be good either. <laughs> that that That's going to yeah. bring out all sorts of other problems that are going to happen. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I just think that, you know, everyone I know is healthy and good and, and, and being smart and Hey, we were computer people. I used to yeah. go to people's desks. I washed my hands 20 to 30 times a day. Yeah. Yep. 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 I know. I know. I'm like, I can't believe that we have to tell people that you need to wash your hands. <laughs> yeah. It was. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Absolutely. Um, so uh, in the show notes, we will have all of your website connections as well as uh, the Facebook page so that people can come and join you for your weekly show. Is there anything else you want to plug? Yeah. So basically ascensionsellers.com. That's a great place to go. It'll prompt you to sign up for our newsletter. That's how we keep in touch with everybody. Um, the Facebook and the Instagram sites for Ascension Sellers and then for me and for Lisa. Uh, she's Daily Wine. For on Instagram. Okay. Uh, that's how you see our Sunday sipping is on uh, the Ascension Sellers Facebook page. It's, you know, go through some of those. It's, we've had some great ones. Um, we talked about, we kind of intermix it with some t- trips we made before the pandemic. So yeah. we went, we went, I biked all over Chablis, all over uh, Burgundy. Uh, and so we talk about, you know, the best way to kind of see those places and hope to God we can see them again. Yeah. Um, but you know, our biggest thing is to make sure that people don't just say, I only like this grape. I only like Pinot or I only like Cabernet. It's like, expose yourself. Like, what is it you think you like about those? And maybe you don't realize that you do love Syrah or you do, you know, you do love GSMs that are, you know, different. So, or white wine, you know, we love white wine. We love, we're huge fans of every type of white wine, whether that's oaked or unoaked and what's the difference between those. And, um, Chablis versus uh, Roussan, which we love. So, you know, it's like, it's a good place to go. So go up to Ascension Sellers uh, Facebook page and watch some of those videos. Awesome. Dave, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. You are the best, man. Mm-hmm.